Welcome to the Bible Study Tutor. My name is Jessica Hutton. I'm the founder of the Bible Study Tutor and the host of the Bible Study Tutor podcast. Today we are continuing our study of the gospel according to Mark and we are looking at Mark 6. So let's get into it. In Mark 6, we witness a series of events that highlight Jesus' ministry, his relationship with the disciples, and the varied responses to his teachings and miracles. The chapter begins with Jesus returning to his hometown where he teaches in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Despite the amazement of the people at his wisdom and miracles, the people of Nazareth had difficulty accepting Jesus as a prophet because they were familiar with his background and upbringing and were influenced by the preconceived notions of who he was. They knew him as the carpenter and son of Mary and couldn't reconcile his humble origins with the extraordinary claims he was making about himself. Apparently, because his claims were so extraordinary or what they considered to be blasphemous, the people who once referred to Jesus as the son of Joseph now referred to him as the son of Mary as an insult, implying that he was an illegitimate child. Thomas Constable explains, the Jews did not speak insultingly about such a person's birth if they believed that he lived a life pleasing to God. But if that person became an apostate, they spoke publicly and unreservedly about his illegitimate birth. Consequently, this description reflects the beliefs of the Nazarenes that Jesus was not virgin born and was displeasing to God." End quote. As a result of their unbelief, Jesus was not able to do many miracles in his hometown. Jesus' inability to perform miracles in Nazareth due to the people's unbelief reveals the profound impact of faith and disbelief on God's working. While Jesus had the power to perform miracles, their unbelief limited his ability to work among them according to the purpose of his ministry. This limitation highlights the principle that God often acts in responses to faith rather than merely demonstrating power for its own sake. The people of Nazareth's familiarity with Jesus bred contempt, hindering them from recognizing his divine identity and authority, which led to their moral culpability for rejecting him despite evidence that should have led to their faith in him. This episode underscores the importance of faith in perceiving God's hand at work and experiencing his redemptive power, emphasizing that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Following this rejection, Jesus sends out his 12 apostles on a mission. Now, an apostle is an individual who functions as an authorized agent of Christ, whom Jesus has hand-selected to represent his authority and speak and act on his behalf. The 12 apostles Jesus appointed would preach the same message as him, and the miraculous signs which he enabled them to do would validate that message. Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits and instructed them to travel lightly and rely on the hospitality of others. This mission marks an important step in the disciples' training and demonstrates Jesus' strategic plan to spread his kingdom message through his followers. Meanwhile, news of Jesus' ministry spreads and King Herod hears about him, leading to speculation about Jesus' identity, including the possibility of him being John the Baptist raised from the dead. Now this passage provides historical context surrounding Jesus' growing reputation and the political climate of the time. The chapter takes a darker turn by explaining the events that led to the death of John the Baptist, which was hinted at in chapter 1. Now John was imprisoned by Herod for condemning his marriage to Herodias. Herod's promise to grant Herodias' daughter any wish at a banquet ultimately leads to John's beheading. 
The death of John the Baptist in Mark 6, 14 through 29 foreshadows the opposition and persecution that Jesus would ultimately face. John's martyrdom served as a stark reminder of the cost of discipleship and the hostility that awaited Jesus and his followers. Moreover, the circumstances surrounding John's death, including the manipulation of Herodias and the banquet's revelry, painted a grim picture of moral corruption and the spiritual blindness that also existed among the ruling elite. This event signaled the escalating conflicts between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world, setting the stage for Jesus' own betrayal, trial, and crucifixion. Still, knowing these things, Jesus continues his ministry of dismantling the kingdoms of darkness, healing people, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, after explaining the details of John the Baptist's death, Mark redirects the reader's attention to the apostles returning from preaching the message of the kingdom. Eager to share what they had done and taught, Jesus invites them to go away with him to a desolate place so they could get some rest and refreshment. However, since they had to attend to the crowds that kept coming and going, they weren't even able to stop to eat. And even though Jesus and his disciples needed time away, Jesus turned his attention to the crowd and looked upon them with compassion because he observed that they were like sheep without a shepherd. Though there were many religious leaders at their disposal, the needs of the people were yet unfulfilled. Jesus would remedy the situation by teaching them. Now, when it got late, the disciples shared that it would be good for the people to go away so they, they could go find something to eat. And Jesus responds by telling the disciples to give the people something to eat. They responded by saying that even a year's worth of income would not be enough to feed all the people present not realizing that Jesus was setting them up for a miracle. Taking five loaves and two fish, Jesus blessed the food and continually distributed the bread and fish to the disciples whom he instructed to give to the people. Jesus miraculously fed more than 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish and all of them ate until they were fully satisfied. Not to mention, the disciples collected 12 baskets of leftovers. James Brooks observes, the number 12 is that of the tribes of Israel. Mark probably saw in the 12 basketfuls of fragments Christ's superabundant provision for his own people Israel. Such abundance suggests the dawn of the Messianic age. Compare 2 Kings 4 verses 42 through 44, end quote. Now this miracle demonstrated Jesus' ability to provide to for the spiritual and physical needs of all people. He was both the source and sustainer of everything the people needed and would be the source by which the apostles would attend to the needs of the people in their ministry after Jesus attended to heaven. And would be the source by which the apostles would attend to the needs of the people in their ministry after Jesus ascended to heaven. John Grasmick observes, quote, the usual theme of the astonishment at the close of the miracle story is not included here. This plus subsequent comments in Mark 6:52 and 8:14 through 21 on this event indicate that Mark regarded it as an important disclosure to Jesus' disciples of who he is, but they failed to understand its meaning. End quote. Now the narrative continues with Jesus walking on water to reach his disciples who were propelled forward by the storm. It was the fourth watch of the night between three and six in the morning when Jesus walked on the water. He had intended to pass them by, and then the disciples saw him. Thinking he may have been an apparition, they were afraid. He assured them that it was he. 
Interestingly, the phrase Jesus used to affirm his identity echoes the Old Testament accounts of Exodus 3.14 where God revealed himself to Moses as I am. The disciples are in a state of fear due to the storm and Jesus' words are not only a declaration of his divine identity, but also a source of comfort and reassurance. James Edward explains that Jesus' command to take courage, it is I, echoes the divine revelation of God's name to Moses. This declaration, I am, signifies Jesus' divine authority and presence echoing the Old Testament depiction of God's power over creation. Additionally, Jesus' intention to pass by the disciples parallels significant Old Testament passages where God's self-revelation is associated with the passing by, emphasizing God's divine nature and his unique role in revealing God's glory. Despite Jesus' miraculous intervention and presence, the disciples' hardened hearts prevented them from fully comprehending his identity, which highlights the ongoing struggle of faith amidst adversity. He writes, quote, The God of Israel, majestic and awesome, but unknowable face to face, is now passing by believers in Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus walking on the water to his disciples is a revelation of the glory that he shares with the Father and the compassion that he extends to his followers. It is a divine epiphany in answer to earlier bafflement when he calmed the storm. Who is this? In this respect, Mark's Christology is no less sublime than is John's, although John has Jesus declaring that he is the Son of God, whereas Mark has him showing that he is the Son of God. And Mark, one must, like the disciples, be in the boat with Jesus and enter into the drama in order to behold who Jesus is. The one who calmed the storm is the one who now appears in the storm, the I am of God. End quote. Overall, this passage in Mark underscores the theological significance of Jesus' identity as the divine Son of God manifested through his authority over nature and his self-revelation in the midst of storms. It challenges rationalistic interpretations and emphasizes the necessity of faith and recognizing Jesus' true nature and mission. Just as God revealed himself to Moses and Eliza and Elijah in moments of crises, Jesus' miraculous actions serve as divine epiphanies, inviting believers to encounter the glory of God through their faith in him. Now, the chapter ends with Jesus healing more people in Gennesaret. Though many touched only the fringe of his garment, believing that they would be healed if they touched him, everyone walked away completely healed. I feel like what I was saying about passing by wasn't clear, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pause. So basically, what, what I was trying to say is that there were two indications in the text that reveal that Jesus was trying to reveal his identity to the apostles. First was him using uh, ego a me basically he was saying i am just like the father had said to moses back in the day um, in the old testament he used the phrase i am which was an indication that he is god and then the other clue was he intended to pass them by so many times i read this in the past and i thought you know jesus was just moving he was just enjoying himself walking on the water and i didn't ever think about it but as i was studying and diving deep the scholars revealed that just like Jesus passed, uh, like he said to Moses, you can see my hind parts. And he said that to, I believe, something like that to Elijah, Job, or something like that. For, forgive me. Uh, the whole point was, in doing so, God revealed himself to them. And so Jesus had intended to pass by in the same way 
wanting to reveal himself to the disciples. But if you, if you notice, as we've gone along our study of the gospel according to Mark, they still don't get it. They witness Jesus do powerful things, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, controlling the demons with a word. We see Jesus um, feeding the 5,000. We've seen Jesus, do, they've seen him do all these things. Now he's walking on water. He calmed the storm with his word. And, and yet they still don't get it. So Jesus was trying to reveal himself to him. And we'll see that it, it's a, it was a process, but that was the whole point. Those two things were indications that Jesus was trying to reveal himself to them, who he truly was, which is, I am, he is God. So I hope that makes it more sense now, because as I was reading my notes and going through my little script, I was like, hold up, does this make sense? And it may make sense when I finally edit, but for now, that's it. And that's Mark 6 in a nutshell. Now let's go to Mark chapter 7. God bless.